It's great to be together with you today. Uh, it's so encouraging to see your faces. And it's so great to have service inside with AC, isn't it? Yes. I'm so thankful um, to the principal of the school who made sure that this could happen for us today. And so thankful to the administration there that's helped us. Um, for we're, we're a church, and we, we also have kids in with us today, and I'm going to try to do my best to be on good behavior for you parents. Um, but we are a place that talks about heaven and hell. We are a place that believes in an eternal nature within us and that the way that we live our life matters. And I'm going to tell you, for a long time, a lot of people who lived here in Southwest Florida would also just describe it perfectly as this is heaven. This is amazing. And I love Southwest Florida. But right now, if you walk through our streets and you ask them where they're at or how they're doing, there are a lot of people that would just look back at you and say, I feel like I'm going through hell right now. So how do you answer someone who is feeling that way? When someone tells you they've lost everything, when it just feels like it's too much to fix, how do you speak hope into that situation where they just feel desperately like everything is gone? That's right. And I, and I don't think that it's a one-sentence answer to correct the way that our city is feeling. I don't think it's just going to be one statement, but there is one principle that I want to just try to encourage you in, especially if that's where you're seated today. Uh, and I, the quote is attributed um, to Winston Churchill, but there's other people who've said it through, throughout writing as well. But if you feel like you're going through hell, just keep going, because that's not where you want to live your life. And right now, so much of our community is feeling like they're in a place where it's just insurmountable. And what I want to tell you right now is you just need to keep taking the right step that's in front of you right now. We're not going to fix everything in a day. We're not going to fix everything in a week. And the verse that God put on my heart for today is from Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. And we'll put this up on the screen as I said it. And I feel like it's so practical to the situation that we're walking through right now. And this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church. And he says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. And I want to start with the let's not get tired of doing good. And I want to start there because so many of you guys, I am so proud of you. The way that you've served the community, whether it be in your neighborhood, whether it's clearing trees and debris, you guys have been showing up to work for people and it's awesome. But I also know so many of you guys, it wasn't just when the storm started that you started work, but really about three, four days before the storm got here, you were putting up shutters for other people. And now you're into a week and a half of just working, 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 and you're probably getting tired. And I want to make sure that we understand that, that, that there's a place for rest in our life. And when this says, don't get tired of doing good, it's saying, don't get fed up with, uh, with helping other people. Because sometimes people that you want to help can be difficult to help, can't they? <laughs> it's funny the things that we get amens on and the things that we don't. <laughs> Don't get fed up with other helping people. Don't, don't lose heart in helping other people because sometimes people will appear as though they may not deserve the help. Sometimes they will be ingrateful. Sometimes they will be so picky and you're like, I'm out here giving you my blood, sweat, and time and you're going to complain about where I stacked your debris? 
I understand it can be easy to start to lose heart in that. But I, I, I know that, you know, we, through the distribution hub, we've been running out of Skyline. We've given away about 10 semi-loads of relief, of non-perishable food, of water. Like, it's awesome. And there's some people who will take that tarp and they, that we gave them and turn around and try to sell them on Facebook Marketplace. And there's some people who desperately need help putting it up on their roofs. And this is what I want to make sure we stay clear-sighted on. Just because someone else is evil doesn't mean we're going to start to act like them. It's like, I got burnt, I helped somebody, and they didn't need help, so I'm just not helping anyone. So now you're going to replicate their behavior, and you think that's going to make the situation better? Listen, if someone takes advantage of you, that doesn't change the reality that you genuinely helped some other people. Because at the same time, I know there's people who came through the lines and they did not need the help. There's other times where, and this gets to my heart, because try to just put yourself in these shoes. Imagine if you were in a situation like this in another country where you did not speak the language. And there, there was mamas coming through that line who could not find formula or diapers for her babies, and she did not speak English well, and you should have seen the way her eyes welled up when we gave her what her children needed to survive. And it's the same line of people, it's the same work, and you can choose what you focus on, the people who maybe didn't need the help, or the people who genuinely did, and if all you focus on are the difficult people, you can easily start to lose heart on what you're doing. But I want to encourage you, don't grow tired of it. And when I say don't grow tired of it, I'm not talking about physical tired. I'm talking about the way that we see it. And so if your heart does begin to strain of like, does it matter that I'm doing this? This is the simple theme of the day. You've got to keep going. You've got to keep going on doing the good that God has called you to do. Because even when you don't see the results, you have to have the faith, you have to have the understanding that God is going to use this. There are so many people in our city who would have said, it would be fine with me if all the churches in our city just disappeared. They would have said that a couple weeks ago. I don't think they'd say it now. I think our city has seen how the churches have shown up. I think people who had no interest in church before have been amazed at the crews of believers who have rallied together and worked together. And it's a tremendous show of what the body of Christ is supposed to be capable of. And so thank you for participating in it. But I want you to know, even if you're not seeing the results, even if you helped a neighbor and they seemed ungrateful and they've never responded to your invitations to church and they complain to you about little things, even if you haven't seen, you have to have the faith of saying, as I serve them, God is going to be the one who makes things come to fruition. It's like when, when you're waiting for something to come to completion, like a project, but it's not there yet, and I'm not picking on any of you because this has been on so many people's Facebook, so don't get too nervous when I start to talk about this, but the way that people complain about LCEC's linemen right now online, it cracks me up because there's this implication that 100% of our electricity in our city should be on within one week, even though 50% of our power poles are laying across people's lawns. And I know that they wouldn't say, well, I don't think 100% should be up, just mine, not everybody else's. I mean, that seems to be the implication. Like, I understand not everyone should have power, but shouldn't I have power by now? Now, listen to me. The linemen and the people at LCEC aren't going by the houses and looking at your car and being like, that's the one that cut me off. 
Everybody else gets power, not you. They're not watching you walk into your house and be like, I do not like the cut of that boy's jib. He gets no power. Like they're not determining based on looks or likes or anything. There's a reality that the way that our electrical system has been affected, there's certain steps and pieces that have to be on before others. And the linemen are working incredibly hard. I've talked to many of them as they've come and they're just looking for restrooms. They'll come into the hub that we've been working out of and they're like, is it okay if we just use the restroom real quick before we get out? Like, I mean, they're, they're incredible and they're working hard. And you have to just understand that there's a system and a process they have to go through. I mean, I compare it to that. We'll use Jesus' illustration of planting and reaping as well. Planting and, and harvesting or reaping, it, it, it's, it's such a faith-filled process. Because in the act of even planting a farm, you, ha- you have to turn up the soil. And as you turn up the soil, you get no food immediately in response. And, and as, you, as you dig and you plant the seeds into the ground, you plant them. And you get nothing immediately in response to planting that. And then you have to water it and wait for weeks or months before you even see any tiny thing start to grow. And Jesus uses this illustration of planting and harvesting to the spiritual things because there's so many times that we will have to take actions. We will have to make investments with our time, our service, our resources, and we will begin to plant things that we see nothing come from it immediately. But the way that we approach it has to have the heart of I know in time this will grow. I know in time this will matter. And the service that we pour out to our community, it, within Galatians 6, 9, 10, this truth, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. I wanna encourage you, church, keep on going. Don't give up. Keep serving, keep loving. Keep being engaged with your neighbors. And at just the right time, you will see spiritual blessing come from it. You will, see, you will see God do something in their life because of it. Even if you haven't been seeing anything else happen, we have to keep going. And in verse 10, it says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. The word opportunity here, it's, it's that same base word, chronos, that, that it uses before in the passage, but that's where we get the term like chronology or time when we think of chronos. We see opportunity here, but what, what the Greek picture paints is this season, like a, a time that is here and then the time has passed, the segment of time that, it, that, that is not something you can return to. When you have an opportunity to do something good, you have to understand that right now, You're building a testimony with other people of did you serve your neighbors when everything was up in the air and difficult or did you only serve them when it was easy for you to do it? And I want to highlight the fact that right now serving other people isn't easy because there's stuff that we would like to do at our own homes. I know it's true of so many of you guys who have been serving. It's like there's still things that you need to do around your place. But I want to tell you, it is honoring to God when you're saying, I want to put people's needs above my own. Last week, we looked at the very simple spiritual truth that whatever we do for the least of these among us, Jesus says, as as if you do it to us. And so it is a tremendous act of worship that in this segment of time for us to give away some of our time to other people. And while we have this opportunity, we have to, we have to grab a hold of it. and when it, when it says this opportunity, I also want to highlight that you don't have to and you should not try to do everything. I think I might have slipped into the trying to do everything a little bit this week, and my body on Friday night was like, Paul, you're done. 
6.30 p.m. bedtime for you, sleep all night. It's not that you should do everything. And in fact, even though I, I, I tried to do a lot, there's quite a few phone calls that I got this week that I had to say, hey, I appreciate what you're doing, but we can't participate on that. People who are wanting to send, you know, truckloads of different things, and it's like, hey, we're really specializing in perishable food and water and tarps, food and shelter for people, making sure they have what they need. We can't accept that. It, there's this reality that your opportunity is not every opportunity. And church, we're going to continue to message and text to you a lot of opportunities to serve. I want you to hear me clearly. I don't expect you to do all of them. But if you say Gulfside Church is my home, I hope you share our heart that it's like we have to do some of them because our city needs us at this time, at this opportunity. And if you haven't got any text messages from us, you need to talk to our administrator or someone on staff to make sure you're getting those or check our social media um, because there's opportunities that we need to fill. Even this week, there's a sign-up form that went out yesterday for meal slots where we're giving away free meals from, uh, we start serving meals at five, but volunteers show up from four to seven uh, any night this week, starting on Monday where we're providing a couple thousand meals for people across Cape Coral. Some of them we give away on the site. Some of them get trucked to other sites to be given away. And it's an awesome way to, to minister to our city. And there's lots of other ways. We're clearing branches. We're clearing debris. Find the ones that are right for you and utilize them. And then one of the interesting things that I found in this passage that is almost counterintuitive to my pastoral mind is in verse 10, it says, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Because there's part of me that's like, shouldn't we focus on non-believers first, those who need the message of the gospel? Shouldn't we go to them first? And I want you to see, Scripture has a very clear orientation for the church, is that you have to take care of your family. And when I say you have to take care of your family, like I'll echo back to the Gospel of Luke chapter 8. When Jesus healed a man who was demon-possessed and had been that way for years and had been separated from his family, and the man said, can I come with you and follow you? And Jesus said, no, you need to go back and take care of your family and tell them all that God has done. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, the Apostle Paul was writing to a, the young pastor Timothy. and said, but those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied their true faith. Such people are worse off than unbelievers. Like there is an extreme importance set on taking care of your family in scripture. And within the body of Christ, we are called family. And so God actually highlights, check on each other first and then go to your city. And so if you're here within the context of this church family, I wanna make sure you know that if you have a need, you need to let us help try to meet that within you. We have ac access to tarps and people who can help tarp your roof. We have access to window ACs if you have a generator, but you don't have AC. If you don't have a generator and you need one, we will get one to your property that you can use until you have power back. We want to make sure that you're cared for, and then we want to extend that same love and compassion outside of our doors, but you're our brother, you're our sister in Christ. What 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 through 2 says, Paul's writing to the church and refers to them and says, now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel, the gospel that I preached to you when you received, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. He says brothers and sisters, but he speaks that to a diverse church in Corinth, people from different ethnic backgrounds, people from different generations of age, but he refers to all of them as brothers and sisters because there's this truth that within the family of God, we all belong together. And he says that when you 
received this, when you took your stand on the gospel, in verse two it says, by this gospel you've been saved if you hold firmly to the word that I preached to you. Church, I, I wanna tell you if it's your first time or if maybe the hurricane has just woken your eyes up to the temporal nature of life, to be part of the family here is to make the confession that Jesus, you are Lord. To understand that we're all sinful, we're all broken, we've all made mistakes, but because Jesus died on the cross, at that point he paid the penalty for our sin and his resurrection showed proof and victory over death, sin, and the grave. And he offers new life and he offers forgiveness to you. And when you receive that, you haven't just dealt with heaven and hell, you have been invited and adopted into a family. A group of people who will pour their time and their sweat and their tears out for you. And when you're part of a family, if you're hurting, you should let someone know. And band, if you guys will make your way up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close this thing out. Being part of a family means that we work together, that we serve together, that we take care of each other. And right now, we have this amazing opportunity. And I don't want bitterness to interrupt it of saying, well, I'm just tired of helping other people or these people should be able to do it on their own or whatever bitterness excuses that that would make our heart feel weary, I don't want us to fall to that side. I want us to see, as verse 10 says, says, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter the past that you've had with them. If they've been a difficult person in your life, do good for them. I was driving down the road it, on my way up to, to grab something that was getting delivered to Island Coast High School instead of the hub on accident, but I saw a city worker who was by the side of the road, and he, there was, a light had gone out at Kismet and Del Prado, and he had a generator, and I think he kind of like gave it a little kick, and I'm like, oh, that's not good. But I was like, uh, he's probably got it handled. He's a city worker, but then I was also like, I have a generator sitting right behind me in this truck that I'm going to deliver to someone later, um, but we don't need it till later. Let's, Hey! roll the window. Hey, do you need a generator? And he's like, what? Are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, I don't want someone to get in a car wreck. Like if you need a generator, I've got a generator. He's like, okay, pull the truck up on the curb, wire up the light and try to get things running. And it would be very easy to just roll by any situation like that and be like, it's not my problem. We pay the government to handle those things. That might be how the world works. It's not how the church works. Wherever, whenever, whoever, whatever opportunity God gives you as you see it and you have the time to meet it, meet that need. You're also not exempt from needing to Sabbath and take a day of rest. Both those things work together, but the opportunities that he gives, we have to step into. And as we step into these opportunities and we plant things with the seeds of faith, God's going to do what he's always done. Leading up to the hurricane, we had this series that, that really the heartbeat of it was preparing our hearts for God to do something big. Uh, the, the terminology the church uses is we were preparing our hearts for God to, to have, have revival in our own hearts and a revival in our cities. And the last week of that led up to the week before the hurricane. And I don't think that time was wasted. We didn't get to have big kids ministry events and have packed services but I don't think the time of preparing for a revival was wasted. It, just, it was preparing us for something a little different than what we expected. And so I want to say, I believe God is reviving hearts right now. He is changing perspectives and changing minds right now. 
And I believe God's going to do something big in our city, but he's going to do it because of what he does through your life. As we set our heart to say, God, I will serve you wherever, whenever, however you want, and I step out in faith, those actions, those seeds of faith will grow into something tremendous. And I believe at the end of all of this, just like in the life of Joseph, when, when Joseph said, what you guys did that was meant to destroy me, God used for good and for the salvation of many. I believe that's what God can do in this situation. So church, let's continue to roll up our sleeves. Let's continue to serve with expectation that God is gonna work miracles. I believe we're gonna get to see him move in a mighty way in these weeks to come in our city. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we get the opportunity to serve and you then take that service and you cause spiritual growth. You cause healing. You cause hope to grow. You cause faith to grow up. And so we'll continue to do our part as we expect and believe that you will do yours. So we will not grow weary in doing good because we know at just the right time, there will be a harvest of righteousness that comes from it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Will you stand with us as we sing?